0: We are with George Araman. George, hello. 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 How are you, Darren? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. So I'm Darren. This is George. And we're here today to talk with you about HBDI and negotiation. In fact, the title of this podcast, I'll read out My negotiations always get to an annoying stalemate. Use HBDI to understand your opponent to avoid stalemates. So, George, we're talking about negotiation and HBDI. The reason you're here is you're a, what we would call naive resource. You've just completed your HBDI profile. Is that Yay. right? <laughs> Correct. Okay, fabulous, fabulous. So you're going to ask me lots of probing, challenging questions, particularly around HBDI and how we can use it with negotiation. All right. Love it. All right. So let's do a couple of minutes on your understanding of HBDI and what this profile meant to you. What did it mean to you doing your profile?
1: It was interesting because I found a couple of like uh, things. Mm. <laughs> it was interesting. I, uh, I discovered things I was aware of, some I wasn't really aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the, so when I was asked to anticipate the results, I actually nailed it in a way. Uh, I got all my four quadrants more or less precisely the same. Um, I was surprised, though, by my uh, stressful flow, um, what's it called? Under pressure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the That's results fine. were a bit different than I was expected. expecting, but like it is what it is, I guess.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let me give you and the viewers a quick summary of my understanding of your profile. Mm-hmm. Here it is. I'm sure you don't yeah. mind me sharing it. Yeah. So what Ned Herman said was that we all know that the brain is split left and right. So let, let me ask you, George, what's the difference between left and right of the brain?
1: So in general, the left side of the brain is more the logical side of the brain, um, the conversion side of the brain. And the right side is more like the creative, intuitive uh, side of the brain or the divergent.
0: Perfect, Okay, And this was discovered now, probably 50 years ago. Now, not what Ned Herman said was actually left and right, absolutely, but he also said there's top and bottom, giving us four quadrants to the brain. Now, Ned Herman, or HBDI, which is the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, measures how we prefer to think. And there are four quadrants in how we prefer to think. We've got the blue quadrant, which is all about facts. So if you've got a mate who's very good down at the pub quiz, He's probably a blue, loads of facts. The yellow, this is the creative, the entrepreneurial type people who've got a million ideas and might be described as having their head in the clouds. We've got the red people. These are the touchy feely people people. What I love about the reds is if you walk into a room, they normally come over and touch your elbow. And then we've got our greens who are our structured plan next project managers. Alright, so this just describes how you prefer to think. You can't get it wrong, you can't get it right. This is George. All right. Hello. <laughs> so having understood that, you have a tendency to think more in the right side of the brain. Your creativity, yes. your big picture thinkings fairly high. Your people skills, your feelings fairly high, but your ability to do facts in the blue is quite low and your green is, uh, let's say it's fairly low too, all right, so you're right side of the brain thinker. Nothing wrong with that, nothing right with that, it's just who you are. Now what's yeah. particularly interesting is this solid line versus this dotted line is under pressure, your green shrinks, so you become less structured, less planned, and you become more red, more emotional. Mm-hmm. So if you think back, how does that manifest itself in your life? Becoming less emotional, uh, sorry, more emotional and less planned. Well, that's actually the the, the the side that
1: I really didn't understand in a way, because like when I am under pressure, what happens is I turn off people, like my my right side. Actually, I turn it all off, and I go full on left side, and I go and mm-hmm. become very analytical and very plan oriented. In general. So this is like what my experience has been.
0: Okay. So let me just rewind and make sure I've got this right. So your solid line, you are a right brain thinker. That's where you're dominant. You like creativity, big picture people. And then under pressure, the dotted line, I think I might have misspoke. Your structure, your green goes out more. Right. Now we've got it. Now we've got it. So that ties in with what you actually do. All right. So let's come back to negotiation skills and style mate. Um, yes. So let's say I'm a negotiation expert. What questions mm-hmm. would you like to ask me that would help you to avoid style mate, understand your opponent using this type of stuff? What questions do you have?
1: Okay, so first of all, I know that when you're negotiating with someone, it's important to bring in the facts. And since I do tend to have a low fact uh, based quadrant, um, how can I maximize it? How can I increase my uh, blue quadrant or my uh, analytical skills when I come across to uh, this particular negotiation or negotiation? Okay,
0: great question. So we can okay. all do all four quadrants. It's you, just if I use a metaphor, you do yellow and red in fifth gear if you were driving. Mm-hmm. Blue and green, you're probably doing in second gear, but we can all do all four. It's just where we feel more comfortable, where our preference is. So you can do blue. It's accepting that it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to take you a bit longer and you're probably going to procrastinate more to look for the Mm -hmm. facts. But
1: you can do
0: it. You Mm -hmm. can do it. So firstly, it's accepting we can do it secondly it's accepting it's going to be a bit harder than normal it's not like doing the red or yellow stuff and then thirdly it's getting on and doing it because you know the value of doing it okay Okay. now the other the second part in answering your question is remember that if you're negotiating Mm -hmm. not everyone wants facts now i understand Mm -hmm. negotiation is a very logical piece that we do in the workplace but If you're up against a yellow negotiator, let's say, they're probably Mm, going to understand the big picture. Mm. So the trick with HBDI and avoiding stalemates is to know who you're negotiating against. How do you know that? Like, how can you uh, on
1: on the spot know who your opponent or who you're
0: negotiating with? Yeah, two answers to that. One is the first one you, you're you not going to like. It will take years of practice to understand. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. But let's give you the, the silver bullet. Most face-to-face negotiations don't start with a face-to-face negotiation. You've probably, mm-hmm. been, probably been speaking to them or emailing them. So let yeah. me ask you a question. If you were to get an email from someone like this, what would that email look like? Bear in mind, there Lots are of numbers face. and stats and... <laughs> Perfect. So you're picking up. Now, if you were to get an email from a yellow type person, what would it look like? This is big picture. Big ideas, uh, things
1: that you want to do that are different, innovative, creative. Very
0: good. Very good. OK, let's do the green.
1: The green is more planned. So what are the yes. steps to do this? What are the next steps, et cetera, et cetera? It's more geared toward that. Lovely. And the red is more about like people who do you know? uh who do you know that can help me with this negotiation or etc or who can you refer me to or uh, who was your client how did, those
0: kind of things of very good very good what we particularly look for in our red negotiators when we're identifying them over email they might share something they did at the weekend or something about their family these guys are very sharing of what's going on in life and also they're very warm and very enthusiastic people so you can imagine the reds on a call like this are like that, which is great. <laughs> like you are, the blues are very much like this. Then, <laughs> yeah, it is, Um, it's all good. They're right, we're right. It's just who you are. The trick here is if we can understand ourselves better and understand others better. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to negotiation or you are, and you're yellow to yellow, you're speaking French to French. Great, got yeah. that. But here, and it's hardest to communicate with people diagonally opposed to you, if oh, you're going to the negotiation and you're talking to a Green, you're talking French to Dutch. Yeah. So what's going to happen if you're talking French to Dutch in that negotiation?
1: Better speak English. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard. It will be yeah, hard to very communicate. Hurts hard to understand the green is saying to you where's the timeline Where's some of the detail how do we map this and you're thinking no no i just want to talk the big picture and so you're doing this well
1: i have a question um what if for example uh, like would non-verbal uh, communication work best in this scenario for example
0: it's always good to understand non-verbal communication so if we take um, an email. You don't know what's going on with their tone. You're guessing, you're trying to, particularly if there's lots of money at stakes, so you're very emotive. I might lose 10,000, I might lose 100,000. So you're trying to guess what's going on. So that we would always propose face-to-face is absolutely best. Because even here, you can't see what I'm doing with my hands down here. Yeah. No? <laughs> and I might be tapping on the table, but you can't see that. But you could if we were face-to-face. And if I'm tapping on the table, I'm frustrated and I'm fed up and we might be heading towards stalemate so yes we're looking for body language we're looking to understand their body language what we're giving off and using all those cues to build better communication
1: mm-hmm.
0: thank you okay okay so lots of people get into stalemate on negotiation and the reason they do It's largely because they're miscommunicating. Now that makes it sound really easy. If we just don't miscommunicate, we'll be fine. (laughs) But I mean that we are talking French to Dutch. We are not giving these people what we want. Right. So how do we do that, Darren? How do do we solve the situation, this stalemate? Well, it's back to what I was saying before. We can do all four colors. The first thing we need to do is recognize who we are. Which color are we? Which thinking preference do we have? Okay, good. The second thing, which thinking preference do they have? And we can pick that up from their email or their phone call, maybe before we get to the face-to-face or before we get to the negotiation. Next part we need to do is prepare our negotiation in a way that communicates what we want and we're most importantly exploring what they want. Mm -hmm. Now, there are four stages of negotiation. What most people do is skip the first two and go to this one. The okay. first one is preparation. Most people's preparation for a negotiation is they think about it in the car journey <laughs> there. That's, <laughs> that's not preparation. Story. That's having a think. Or they do the very worst thing. They open up PowerPoint and start typing. PowerPoint mm-hmm. is not a negotiation tool. It's a presentation tool. Yeah. Now, if, if people were to Google Square Dance NBM, you'll find a negotiation preparation tool. But that's for another day. Mm-hmm. The second stage they miss is exploration. So I'll give you an example. I'm standing on the garage forecourt of a second-hand car dealership. You come over to me, and I'm looking at this lovely red sports car. And George, you say to me, Darren, it's only got 20,000 miles. It had one owner who was a vicar, and you give me the whole spiel. But actually, it doesn't matter, because if only you'd ask me one question, you'd understand that I've got five kids, and the chance of me buying that sports car are none. <laughs> yeah so we've got to negotiate and propose on what they want as best we can but we need to understand what they want if i Mm -hmm. ask you what you want and you tell me i'm going to give it to you but at least i know yeah and that's the third stage once we do the the exploration we then propose then we summarize
1: Mm -hmm. i love it i i do have a question based on what you were saying so uh, at the beginning uh, of this question, you were answering, you were saying um, you need to know yourself and which quadrant you are in. What if I'm more than one quadrant? Like, for example, I think in my case, I'm very close between the yellow and the red. Yes, yeah, sure. so More or less, we can say that they're kind of the same, like one or two degrees difference or something. So um, how do you approach that? And let's say uh it's the same with with the person you're negotiating with so let's say the negotiate you're the person you're negotiating with is also has two or more quadrants because you know that there are people that can uh, i think from what i've read that there are three percent only in the world that have the four quadrants equally um yes <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah exactly so um, for the rest of us who are not among the, those 3%, and for those that have two or more quadrants, how do you um, deal with that?
0: Well, let's say that the person we're negotiating with we think is particularly blue and yellow. They operate in the, or they have a thinking preference, in the top of the brain. So we must make sure that our negotiation uh, preparation deals with the big picture, so where's this negotiation going in 12 months? What's the impact of it in 12 months? We must have answered those questions for ourselves. And then also in the blue, have we got all the facts as well? That's what we need to answer.
1: Sorry, I got um, laughing uh, a moment. Um,
0: so yeah. we're operating in the top half. They're operating in the top half of the brain. They're blue and they're yellow. And we've got to make sure we prepare accordingly because they're the questions they're going to ask. The French question. So we've got to talk French back to them. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. What other questions did you have around either stalemate negotiations or understanding your opponent better in negotiations?
1: So I was wondering if like, um, how can we negotiate better based on, not the four quadrants, but on based on the um, clusters or the form or the models?
0: Whoa. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, using the HBDI model is the best model I've seen for helping people to negotiate better okay. because it's simple. Perfect. Now, whenever I talk to people about Myers-Briggs, which is a very valid and credible profile, most mm-hmm. people can't remember their letters. And then they can't remember what it means. But with Herman and HBDI, it's very simple. I'm a yellow, I'm a red, I'm a blah, blah, blah. And they can simply understand that. What happens when we train people in HBDI? They then go out into the world and they come back and they go, I was in the shop the other day and the checkout person was really chatty. Do you think they're a red? Probably. And they start to recognize what other people are which really helps them at work because then they start to identify colours at work, why they get on with some people, why they don't, and then they move into their negotiations and why some of their negotiations they struggle with and they don't. So HBDI is the best model for helping you to understand how to negotiate better because it's simple.
1: Okay, so it's about the simplicity.
0: Now, clusters is a whole advanced bit that we'll have to cover in another podcast because it goes deeper. (laughs) I'll give you an example. Um, there are seven, or eight billion people on the planet, and we're putting them into four groups. Now we know that people are more different than that. So clusters gets into yeah. the red cluster, uh, sorry, the red quadrant, for instance. And there are lots of clusters within that. So um, if we take the yellow, for instance, within the yellow, there might be an extreme big pin- big picture thinker who's not very good at creativity. That's very possible. Mm-hmm. And yet you and I are lumping all the yellows together. Okay. So it's when we get deeper, we understand them better. Okay. All right? Okay. So stalemate, we've understood, don't get into stalemate where possible by understanding your person
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: prepare according to which thinking preference you think they have by picking up on their emails or their phone calls. That's amazing. All right. What other questions did you have? Thinking about your profile and negotiations downwards. So let's try to, to to think of
1: an example. I'm going to try to think of an example to make it more. Uh, at the beginning of the call or at the beginning of our podcast, we talked about uh, what can I do? Uh, well, so when I have um, someone that's analytical in front of me and I have a low analytical uh, skills, what can I do? Um, I'm going to ask the other way around, Uh, what can I do when I have, for example, uh, high high red or high yellow or high green, how can I maximise it to to negotiate even better with with the person in front of me?
0: Yeah, so it's about floating their boat. Mm -hmm. We like people like ourselves. Our friends are typically similar thinking preferences to ourselves. The people we recruit at work, if we're in the position of recruiting, we typically bring the same people as ourselves. The danger with that is we end up all being one colour, thinking the same way. Yeah. So let's imagine you're a team, we total yellows. We carved out the other three quarters of their brain. What would that team act like if they were total yellows? so
1: if there were totally others lots of creativity and the 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 ideas would be coming right left and center but there wouldn't be much organization at least initially um not really no facts or not as much as we wanted to um yeah
0: yeah okay so Ideally, we want a team, a company, a person to try and move in all four quadrants, accepting that it's quite hard. So coming back to your question of Reds particularly, we'll start here. I got a question when you're done. Okay. So Reds, and this will count... For any person, but particularly with Reds, this is the trust Mm -hmm. equation. The Mm -hmm. trust equation is credibility plus reliability plus intimacy divided by self-orientation. The important Mm -hmm. part here for the Reds is intimacy. Now, this doesn't mean that you and I need to hug, although I'm sure that will be lovely. Intimacy (laughs) is a bit about where do you live? What's your family like? I've got two kids. Where did you grow up? It's about getting to know each other. Because there's a famous piece of research that says if you and I have something in common, the chances Mm -hmm. of a achieving a better win are higher and Mm -hmm. also the chances of getting a win are much higher.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So that's how you might deal with the reds by improving the intimacy, pushing it a little bit. At the weekend, I did this. What did you do? And it can be quite small. Mm -hmm. With the green, as an example, we certainly ought to have some sort of timeline. So if we negotiate here and we win it here, the impact of this is here. This then happens, and so on. Because because the Greens want that structure to see that what's going to happen will happen. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, A question came up. Um, That's the I in me. Uh, Okay. The yellow, sorry, me. Um, Would you recommend so? for when, when when a company wants to go into negotiation, when two companies are going into negotiations, would you recommend that they bring teams of different quadrants together or just focus on one depending on the strength of the company?
0: Um, if How many people are negotiating? Is it sort of two-on-two, three-on-three type thing or one-on-one? On one?
1: Mm, let's get to try both examples. Like
0: okay, if it's one-on-one okay. and, one
1: and if it's like, uh, yeah
0: all right, I, I wouldn't change the people according to HBDI. Uh, okay. I'll give you a, a simile. I wouldn't use HBDI as an absolute recruitment tool. Uh, so oh, That was another good question. I was gonna so I wouldn't recruit, recruit people based on which color they are. I would use mm-hmm. it as another piece of information that would help me understand them. Okay. And it might be, oh, that would fit well in here, but only if all these other things fit. So HBDI in its own right cannot be used as a single decision-making tool, but it can be part of making an informed decision. So I wouldn't change the negotiators according to their colors. I Mm -hmm. would encourage them to role play, for instance. If this person's going to negotiate with this person, and we know they're a blue and they're a red, well, let's do a role play internally with a blue, Because our phrase is, it's better to sweat in training than bleed in Mm -hmm. battle.
1: Yeah, I love
0: it. (laughs) So we want to make them sweat. And the role play will make them sweat. Because if they do that, they'll hit all the blind alleys they would have hit Mm -hmm. in real life. Yeah. Okay. Any final questions you want to understand about negotiation stalemate and HBDI?
1: Um. I have one of more of a, more of a fun question relating mm. to that. Famous people. Everybody loves famous people. And everybody yes. wants to know how they relate to famous people.
0: Yes. So I was
1: thinking if you could give us maybe the best or among the best negotiators in each of the four quadrants. Okay. For example. Oh, and maybe how their process, like how they they why they're the best negotiator in this quadrant. Like what is their process, if possible?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I can do that, but I'll, I'll try it this way. So I imagine that the CEOs and particularly founders must have been good negotiators mm-hmm. because at some point they've negotiated contracts and people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, and then I will take it back. Which color do you think Steve Jobs was of Apple? Yellow. OK, so yellow. Loads of ideas. Brilliant. So he negotiated from a yellow perspective because that was his thinking preference. Mm -hmm. And he ran Apple with lots of great ideas, innovations. It was amazing, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And now Tim Cook's taken over some years ago. Mm
1: -hmm. Which
0: color do you think Tim is? Uh,
1: I don't know him very well, but he's definitely not a yellow. I think he's more of a green or blue.
0: I'm not sure which of the two. So Apple's gone from a very innovative, lots of ideas, cutting edge, now being overtaken by Samsung and Google for lots of their things, though they're still living off Steve Jobs' legacy of brilliant ideas like iPad. But now they're a really profitable company, which would suggest to me that Tim Cook and the people that he's recruiting beneath him are all blues. Lots of data analysis, lots of how can we make more money, lots of how can we make this a really valuable company, The problem is they have lost Steve Jobs' ideas legacy. So what, five, 10 years and they'll be overtaken. Yeah. Love it. So I'd say negotiators, we've got Tim Cook as the blue. We've got Steve Jobs as the yellow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Other negotiators, green and red um we're looking for very fiery people that are probably red or very people people so i probably use anita roddick for our red Mm -hmm. who was the founder of body shop and i imagine she had some tough negotiations not just over price of course when she was first setting up but also trying to get a vision out there trying to be heard so i think anita roddick as a red probably negotiated from a position of absolute passion that's nice, but also negotiated to win people's hearts and minds, and I think she did mm-hmm. that very well. Otherwise, I believe Body Shop will have died, yeah. It even started.
1: I would have put actually Richard Branson in the red,
0: yes, yeah, uh, probably. Yeah? Um, yeah, yeah, I think I'd go that. I think the one I'm struggling with is the green. Who would be our negotiator in the green? Um, I'm thinking maybe Sir Alan Sugar, not sure, it could be a blue. Um, yeah, I'm struggling with the green negotiator at the moment. Warren Buffett,
1: where would you put him, blue or green?
0: Well, because he's all about data and stocks and markets. I mean, he's probably yellow-blue. So I think he operates in the top half of the brain. Um, The green, we're looking for someone very, very dependable, uh, not risk-adverse. And that's the trouble. When we think of CEOs and entrepreneurs, we tend to think of people who are more... Um, yeah wanting to take risks whereas greens are quite risk adverse. So we're probably looking for someone like Sir Peter Davis who used to run Prudential who I, I met a couple of times and was very he was all all about consistency rather than pigs. He was happy with this so I would say that he's probably our green. Okay love it. Okay all right, so I'm going to ask you, George, to tell me your three takeaway points that you've got that will help our viewers to understand negotiation stalemate at HPDI.
1: <laughs> okay, so my three points, what I would say is the four processes that you mentioned. Yeah. So first, you need to be prepared, know yourself, be prepared and everything. Second, you need to explore. Uh, it's important to know and ask questions to know who per, the person you're negotiating with is. Yep. Third, you need to plan. And fourth, you need to close the deal, basically, or do the presentation or stuff like this. So This mm-hmm. was, was one thing I remembered. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of things, but like I'm trying to bring out the, the things that are the most valuable, at least for me. That's good. So this was very valuable. Another point that was very valuable is um, what is it? So, for example, that uh, even though I don't have a high analytical um, uh, model um, or way of thinking, I, uh, I I can get the best out of my yellow and red uh, type of thinking to bring in great ideas like Steve Jobs, like Richard Branson, and other people. Not putting myself in their categories, but like you never know.
0: That's fair. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. Yeah. That's good. Good wine, high. Yep. Okay.
1: (laughs) And the third point that I would say is, um,
0: what would it be? Well, we talked about the trust equation might be one that you're particularly Mm. interested in. So just, just tell us about that, what you remember from there.
1: So the trust equation. So if we're talking, for example, about people that are in the red quadrant, they tend to focus more mainly on intimacy, which is I, and it's not really about just hugging. It's more like because you have different levels and different types of intimacy, but in this particular case, it's more about uh, sharing personal stories, sharing what you did over the weekend, um, things about the family, the friends, etc., cetera, et cetera. So this is the kind of thing.
0: Fabulous. Fabulous. All right. So uh, my summary of where we got to is... Please look up, this is for viewers and for yourself. Mm -hmm. Please look up on our blog, the four stages of negotiation, because that will really help. Also look up the trust equation, as George was just talking about. And also we've got nine ways to avoid stalemate, which will be a great article to read as well. The upcoming podcast we've got are, I wrote, I really don't know how to manage conflict at work. Use HBDI to manage conflict at work. That'll be a good one for you and I to get our teeth into. Uh, If you have any conflicts... <laughs> the other one we've got is my team is not performing well. What can I do? Use HBDI to build a high-performing team. Okay, what mm-hmm. do you think about that one? That's coming up. Mm-hmm. I, I love all of
1: them. Actually, they're very interesting because each has its own perspective and and really
0: good to to explore. And the other one we've got got coming up on HBDI, we've got four. Is I can't find my prospects. What can I do? I can't get them to reply. Mm-hmm. Use That's HBDI to get your prospects to reply. That's gonna be a hit because
1: everybody wants to know how to bring in more clients and prospects and turn them into clients. And it's gonna be really interesting.
0: It is, and here's a spoiler. It's about Mm. using HBDI to communicate in the language they're speaking. But let's Mm. do more of that next time. I love it. All right, (laughs) so George, thank you. Thank you for sharing your profile. We'll put that up as part of the podcast, that picture. I'm sure you'll be okay with that. Um, And we'll also put George's details should you want to reach out to him. And we'll come back at you with our next HBDI podcast very soon. Thank you, George.
1: Thank you, Darren. Have a great day.